to the Going Deeper podcast with Shane Dwyer. Chance to break open things that lie at the heart of the Catholic faith. Each month, Shane will be in discussion with a different guest who is seeking to live out their Catholic faith today. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to our weekly podcast series on different aspects of living the Catholic Christian faith today. My name's Shane Dwyer, and I'm your host throughout the series. And each month I'm joined by a different guest who brings their thoughts and experience to our discussion. So this week we are once again joined by Zach Parnell. Zach has been part of the Youth and Young Adults Formation Team at Evangelization Brisbane. As always, we will be discussing a little about our favourite passages of Scripture as they help us understand this faith that is so central to our lives. The topic we have in mind today is Believing in Jesus. So, Zach, welcome back once again. Now, just you know, just to situate uh, for people, you gave us a bit of a, an introduction about yourself last week. Um, how long have you been working at EB? About 18 months. Okay. And uh, what's been your main role in, uh, during that? And what are some of the things you've got up to? Yeah, so part of it has been with the Catholic Collective team. So, that involves catching up with all of the youth leaders in the diocese and just being there for some support, encouragement. I think a lot of uh, our youth leaders need a bit of encouragement when they're out there trying to engage young people. And um, the other part of it has been with the Encounter Project. So we have um, three Encounter Projects, one in Springfield, one in Kedron and one in Kabulcha, where I guess we're trying to do um, youth ministry in a bit of a different way in the Catholic Church. So trying to really um, tap into the, the local schools and trying to do some attractive and dynamic things in the school that bridges that gap a little bit, brings some of those young people from the schools um, into a, a parish youth group and creating a youth group where we've got food and games and we've got um, orthodox but powerful and engaging preaching and teaching um, and also uh, opportunity for prayer and to encounter God and um, often using music ministry and some, um, yeah, I guess more contemporary forms of, of prayer, whilst not shying away from all the, the rich tradition we have in the church as well. That strikes me as, as like one of the most important ministries that uh, that the church and uh, and people like yourself can be involved in. You know, how do we actually um, present uh, our faith to, to young people, youth and young adults, uh, typically we think of them as, um, in a way that's actually meaningful to them. Uh, I dare say it has its challenges. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll probably hear more about those as, as time goes on or in our next uh, next podcast. But uh, what I'd like to do now, Zach, is, uh, is just get on to the uh, to the scripture reading for today. And uh, and uh, you've, you've jot, jotted down a few things in the way that you responded to it, and I'd like to unpack those. But um, So this is from the Gospel according to Luke. Would you mind reading it out for us? Sure thing. The scribes and Pharisees brought a woman along who had been caught committing adultery. They made her stand there in full view of everybody. Jesus bent down and started writing on the ground with his finger. All right. So we've, uh, that's one of those classic passages uh, from Scripture, isn't it? It's one of those really well-known ones. And, uh, and comes up again and again throughout sort of the liturgical cycle. Um, the, 
initial thought I, I was just looking through, as I say, some of the points that you raised in preparation for this, and you talked about the way that it's easy to use religion uh, to hurt others. Um, what was it about this passage that made you think of that point? Yeah, so we, we use this um, passage as part of our curriculum with our, our encounter program and that we offer to all the youth leaders in the diocese. It sort of takes some of um, Deacon Peter's thoughts around this scripture and sort of presents it in a way that uh, makes sense for them. And what strikes me about that is, um, I guess you can get caught up with <laughs> sucking, in my experience anyway, of just being overwhelmed by the way in which we're, we're falling short, you know? And I think sometimes the temptation is to use religion to point out other people's flaws to make us feel better about ourselves. And that might be a little bit um, hard to hear for some people. But I think when I search my heart long long and hard enough, I know that that's, that's definitely the case. If you catch me on a bad day um, or a day where I'm not feeling so good about myself, I'm probably quicker to judge others and to point out the flaws in, in the way that they're living out their faith or practicing their faith or how much they're praying and things like that. So um, that's what immediately struck me about it was how they dragged this poor girl into the court because of something that they had done. Mm. And yeah, that's probably all I'll say about that for now. But we'll keep on yeah, chugging through it. We will. We'll keep chugging through it. I realized as I was introducing that text, I, I got myself a bit distract, uh, distracted and I said it was from the gospel according to Luke. And in fact, of course, it's John, isn't it? It's one of these classic passages from John. It's, uh, it's John 8, uh, 1 to 11 is the full um, scripture verse or, or, or text, um, that whole story there. Um, okay, this, this, this thing that, that, that occurs uh, with regard to, um, I suppose, church and, pres- and the presentation of truth and what, what's important, and then the interrelationship with somebody who's actually struggling with that. Because you've got those two realities at once, don't you? You've got... Um, I suppose, how we believe we're called to live. To be perfect, as yeah. he is perfect. Well, that's right. I mean, that's a pretty high benchmark, really, isn't Both it? it is. <laughs> I often think, you know, Jesus was being deliberately provocative when he said that. You know, he's, he's making, when he, when he writes, or when the gospel writer records Jesus saying, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, he's... He's setting us in a particular direction, knowing that we can't attain it yeah. by ourselves. It's, uh, um, it's, 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 it's really challenging. You know, if he was all loving, why would he set a benchmark he knows that we can't get? That's a great question. Oh, I, th- I think it is. And I, look, we can explore. Would you like to explore that? For Not you? at all. Because <laughs> <laughs> that one's a really rich one. You, you get into some of the deep teachings of some of the, um, the doctors of the church and everything around that. But, but in, in relation to this then and the, uh, the experience of this, of this woman who's been caught in a very difficult and very vulnerable sort of situation, I suppose the first thing that I'd know, you know, we've all been there. Yeah, the uh, that that sense of um, knowing that we've fallen short. You know, what's a faith community that's aware of its ideals? You know, in your experience, what's the best way for for people of faith to respond to people who are struggling, uh, including at times themselves? Yeah, I don't know if um, if there's a best way to do it. Like, as I think, especially at the moment, like 
we've got to call a spade a spade. You know, we've we've got to let people know if they are straying. You know, and they aren't. Um, they they're straying off the narrow path that Jesus presents to us. But you have to do that in a in a charitable way. That's for sure. And especially, I found that with young people, you know, they have a a cancel culture. And you know, if you if you say something that doesn't align with what they think or they believe, like they will write you off and like that opportunity to evangelize that young person is gone. It's absolutely gone. And I've, I've noticed that in my ministry in schools and um, coming on too strong at the wrong time, you know, and them just having, being so cold towards us and not, not only that, but speaking poorly of us to other people, you know, and then all of their friends group before long, like has not, nothing want to do with us and, and has no interest in, having a relationship with Jesus, which could help them live life to the full. Um, and I think one of the things that um, I would love to chat about is something I learned during my time with Net Ministries. You know, I, I was a supervisor there for like four years and there's a group of people, young people who are trying to grow in holiness and do mission together. And so they're all trying to sharpen one another and, you know, help build one another up in holiness. And that gets really messy really quickly. So I definitely learned a few things about how to do that um, there. Um, hey, do you know what Net Ministries is? The answer is yes. I've, right. I've, I've come across them in, in different capacities yeah. around the country. But uh, but I'm not quite... I'm familiar with, with what they do, and I've met a few people who have been involved in it. Yeah. Um, but I don't quite know um, like where it comes from and what it's seeking to achieve. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so the mission is like to encourage young people to love Jesus and embrace the church, and that's like their external mission. So they do like, you know, retreat days and they'll run youth groups and, and all the the ministry activities. But their, I guess, an internal mission is to form new apostles, like so to form young people who make disciples. And um, so when you're on net, you have a supervisor, which I was one of those for a couple of years. And I was catching up with these young people on my teams like once a week, having like hour-long conversations about their prayer life, about their ministry, about their mission, and um, about the team life in particular, because a a really important thing about net is just the power that seeing a group of young people who love each other and love Jesus can have on a group of young people is quite profound. And so just trying to make sure that the team is functioning well together because, and it's the same as the when, what you read in scriptures, like there was power in the numbers of the disciples who Jesus said, you know, the way they loved one another was really impactful. And so the same is with these net teams. Um, and so one of the things I, I learned was that they're often trying to call each other on in holiness. Um, and I guess sometimes you can end up being a little bit like the Pharisees here today, dragging your brother out in front of the whole team and calling him out. And it's like, just telling them everything that they're doing wrong. And it's like, that's exactly what we see here. You know, the Pharisees are just slamming this, this poor girl. And, you know, she has done something that is not wrong, not right. Um, but that is what I would call like calling out. It's calling out the things that people have done. It's failing to recognize, you know, all the effort they've been putting in. It's failing to understand the circumstances that led to that position. Um, and it's really just, when you hear words like that, when you hear a phrase like that, it's so disheartening. It just crushes you, you know, uh, when you're called out in front of everyone for all the crappy things you've done and not being recognized for all the effort you're putting in. And you know, I don't want to say that, like, just because you're trying makes it any less of a sin or I don't want to try and say that the circumstances that cause a sin make it less severe. I'm just saying that, you know, as your original question, when you are 
helping someone or you're trying to speak to someone about their sin, it's not helpful to point out all the things they're doing wrong without taking those other things into consideration. You know? I think so. And I think, uh, you know, the insight, one of the insights you, you had in preparation for this was around you, you don't really know what's going on in somebody's heart. Uh, and, and also, the, I suppose, the circumstances of their lives. Um, one of the poignant things about this passage for me, for example, is, and it comes up a bit uh, with women in the, uh, in, in the New Testament and perhaps in the Old, um, what does a woman do if, she's, if she hasn't got, if her father is no longer living and she hasn't got a husband? And, uh, and if, she's, uh, if she's poor or in any way vulnerable, her options were very limited. And uh, and they were often very vulnerable to, um, I suppose, being pulled into arrangements and what have you, just for their own survival, that um, are far from ideal. Um, what I find, though, with, um, with this particular story is that, um, I mean, Jesus does end by saying, uh, go and sin no more. Uh, I find in, I find a couple of things interesting about that though. One of them is it's not where he starts. No, it's where he ends. Yeah, what do you think about that? I I love this. I've something I've been really like um, struck by in the last couple of months is like how many questions Jesus asks. You know, he, he that's he just models the perfect way to do ministry. He just always asks the questions. He doesn't tell people what to do. He asks simply. Where's everyone gone? And she's like, oh, they've all left. It's like, there's no one here to condemn you, you know? And she's like, no. And I just love that. I, and I think we need to do the same when we're approaching these situations. It's not to start with on the offensive, but to seek to understand first. Um, that's what strikes me about how Jesus starts this conversation, seeking to understand. what What is it that led you to this place, you know? And uh, and what I find interesting too is that um, he only uh, calls her forward, I suppose, into change um, when everyone else has left. Yeah, um, he's not into publicly humiliating her. It's uh, in fact having rescued her from that public humiliation. Uh, that's when he has the private conversation, uh, and I find that um, I find that very gentle. I, I suppose I'd like to apply it to my own life. You know, I, I hope if God's got something on his mind, and I think often enough when he looks at me, he has, <laughs> uh, that he's quite happy to have a private yeah. conversation. It's, it, our God doesn't humiliate us. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about that? Only when your ego gets too big, I guess. <laughs> when he knows you need it. Um. But I think you're right. Like, if I look at, and that's this, like, I think when you've been on the spiritual journey long enough, um, or at least when I when I think about my journey, and this is, I guess, a little more, bit more personal, but when I first came to the faith, like, my, my life was a mess. Like, I was definitely being caught in adultery, you know, the way I was abusing alcohol and whole, the way I was speaking, the way that I was treating people. Like, all of these things were just, that I mentioned in my first podcast, you know, St. Paul was telling me to get under control. Um, but once I got those big rocks out of the road, then it, w it became a little bit more internal. And so I started, it was more, 
the things that the Lord was calling me out in me or calling calling me onto were were more subtle, but they were more interior. You know, no one would notice if I got if I grew in this area or not. Does that make sense? So I, I definitely agree with that whole private um, sort of calling on, especially as you're growing in your in your Christian journey as well. Look, I think so. And one of the um I suppose the wisdoms from our faith tradition is the is the uh, is the growing awareness as we're entering more and more deeply into this relationship with God. Um, the significance of the small things. Mm. Um, and, and here I'm not talking about you know beating yourself up for for seemingly inconsequential things and what have you. It it becomes less about uh, you know is this a sin or not. Um, to being, where's my heart oriented? Uh, do I place my trust in myself? Am I looking for subtle ways for, uh, you know, to get accolades from people? Um, is the distraction that is the distraction that I uh, that I enter into and, and respond to? Actually, a sign that my heart isn't really that that oriented towards God, and they become th- in a funny sort of way. These little things are harder than the big things. Yeah, they become much bigger very quickly. Yeah, they do, and also they're hard to keep control. They hard to keep an eye on mm. because they're s- at times so small and so subtle. Yeah, but that's when you need, as you said, someone. To, you need someone to pay attention to the small things, and I think we have a terrible culture in our church of of paying attention to these big rocks, right? But then we, everyone's free to have this bitter, twisted, cynical, angry heart and the way that we treat people in our churches and the way that people enter in and the way that we respond to a parent whose baby's going off its nut, you know? But we need to acknowledge the small growth that we see in people and I think that's what, what Jesus does. I think that's the difference between calling out and calling on is that you put in the effort to acknowledge the hard work that the other Christian is putting in. You know, you're like, if I were to liken it to a a marathon, you know, calling out is like, you're not breathing, you're not, you know, doing a good pace, like you're not going to make this benchmark, yada, yada, yada. It's all the negatives, right? Whereas calling on is like uplifting and it's an encouraging, it's it's that what Jesus does. It's like, I do not sin, I I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. Like you can do this, you know? So it's like, hey, you did really great in the first half marathon. You've come a long way. You've got a a little bit to go. Just remember to keep counting your steps. Just remember to keep breathing. Just remember to keep doing these positive things that you've already been trying to do, but you just need to keep on doing. And I think as a church, we just need to get far better at just encouraging the little things that we see in people, the the little changes and stop focusing on all these big rocks and dragging people out into the, you know, court to just be stoned. And it's like, well, what about your heart? What about these little things that Jesus is writing in the sand and pointing out in your own life, you know? I think that's, I think that's very profound, Zach. I, um, I was, uh, you and I and a few others from here were involved in an event a couple of weekends ago for the Archdiocese. And, um, and there was, uh, somebody a friend of mine who who was there and uh, and I spoke to him a few days ago and said how did you find it and he said he said I went in quite cynical um and in fact he said I was getting text messages from an acquaintance of his 
being really negative about it. No, the 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 uh, the wasn't there, um, and uh, and he said, you know what? As I was I was receiving these messages, and I went huge, just a couple, you know, um, this, I suppose explaining why he hadn't come, and uh, and and my friend was saying I was I was getting those messages, and I thought to myself, I've got a choice here. I can I can sit here this weekend and look at everything that's going on and be really negative about it. And uh, and those things would sort of sort of be true, you know. Oh, you know that, that speaker could have been better. That music could have been better. You know, th- uh, why did we talk about this topic and not that topic? You know all that. And he said, I decided then and there I wasn't going to do that. What I was going to do is engage with what actually is here, and uh, and tried to give the best interpretation of why we were being presented with this. And, and he said, I found it a very beautiful and a very peaceful experience as a result. And it was all about that decision, deciding to, uh, to act in one way and not in another. Yeah. That's really challenging though, isn't it? Yeah, it's much easier to point out the log in someone else's eye than the speck in your own, that's for sure. And you're right, it is, it is a decision. Like you have to completely reorient your disposition sometimes because maybe someone is doing things that do rub you up the wrong way and 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 it's like well i've got a decision to make here it's like am i gonna let that one little thing that they've done get in the way of the rest of it and that's what happened to the <laughs> that's happened with jesus like jesus rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way about a couple of small things they missed out on eternal life, you know, it's like, shoot, you might want to let that little thing go, (laughs) you might be sorry for it. Oh, look, I agree. I think this this sort of applies to um, a view of ourselves as well. Um, I may be wrong, um, but I think a a bit like me, um, you're, you're reasonably idealistic, Sort of person, you you you've got your standards and and uh, and what it is you're hoping to achieve, and uh, even around your own fitness and and what it means to be a father, and quite apart from your spirituality and all those sorts of things. And and one of the things that can happen with uh, idealistic people is that we focus on our disappointment when we don't achieve what we think that we uh, ideally would achieve, rather than um, celebrate the way in which God is at work in us and, uh, and the fact that God loves us. And, um, and even if we've failed, uh, it's willing to pick us up again and we can have another go. Um, I suppose that's the burden of the idealistic person. Do you ever, do you ever find that with yourself or am I, uh, am I misreading you there? Oh, you'd hit an nail on the head. And I, um, I've had like major... You know, I shared in the, the last um, podcast about, you know, my dad, my relationship with him, and, and I think he was um, quite idealistic as well. And um, back when we were still living with him, um, struggling with the alcohol and the, a couple of different things, um, you just felt like you're walking around on eggshells. And if you didn't do something right, you know, it, it could just, everything could fall apart. And, and sometimes it did. And so I developed this, tendency for everything to be the best that it could be it had everything had to be the best because if it doesn't then it could all come everything else could come crashing down and i remember i had this experience when i was working for net 
um, up at the debrief up on the sunny coast at the end of the year and I was trying to make this thing as best as it could be for the netters to celebrate them and honor them and nothing was going right it was just everything was falling apart and I just remember I just froze and I just like had to leave the room and I just started like crying and I realized that um, through my experience of life I had developed this disposition where everything had to be perfect and it was crushing me you know and I had to invite the Lord into that place and it's only been the last 12 months or so that through a couple of un- <laughs> unfortunate circumstances where I have poked someone about things not being the best the way they need to be and them just coming back and being like the way you said that is not on and me being like what the hell is wrong with me why would I say that and realizing that I've got all this stuff going on and probably <laughs> since having the little fella and him constantly <laughs> pulling things out of cupboards and making messes of the floor and my sleeping schedule being out of whack and not doing the assignments as well as I would like to because I don't have enough time to do them and just being like, well, actually, everything doesn't have to be perfect because, you know, God does love me and he see he sees the effort. He sees the small things I'm trying to do. Like the prayer I said when I woke up, it's easy to forget that, very easy. And But this morning, I thank God I was able to say my little morning prayers and I don't know, man, he just loves us and I just, I hope... As a church, we can just be more merciful and, and see the little things like he sees the little things in us, you know, so. Uh, Zach, you've taken us into uh, some very interesting little spaces uh, today, and, mm-hmm. I, and I really appreciate that. Um, that, uh, you know, that little snippet of, of scripture there from John 8, 1 to 11, um, there's so much more, everyone, we could say about that, and it's probably worth us revisiting this text at another time. But um, all we've sought to do, Zach, today is is uh, just give people who are listening to this an opportunity to think about that and, and what does it mean to, to know that this God who loves us so much uh, wishes to save us. That's what, he, that's what Jesus does with this woman. The, the first thing he does is save her life. Uh, she's about to die. And, uh, and then when that's attended to, he takes her aside uh, by herself and says, listen, you know, this is what needs to happen next. Um, And isn't that just a, a lovely, beautiful image of God and how God works with us? So look, thanks, Zach, for for today. Um, We'll pick this up again uh, next week. And uh, God bless everybody, and, and we'll talk to you.